This is the last lesson in a series called Point of Impact, where we have investigated stories where Jesus' life collided with another life and great change was produced. Point of Impact. A dad is driving down the road and his five-year-old son is in the back seat. And the boy says, Dad, how do you spell God? And the father's heart burst with joy. Because he thought, it's taking. All those nights reading the Bible stories, going to church, being a godly example, it's taking. My son cares about the things of God. So with great pride, he said, son, you spell God, G-O-D. And the little boy said, thanks, dad. Now, how do you spell Zillow? And the moral is, sometimes people are not nearly as committed to God as they might appear to be. And Jesus' path collided with a man like that once. And the impact made the point that Jesus does not do half Hearted decisions. The story is in Luke 18. You can open your Bible there. But first, let me share with you what I think is the core of Jesus' teaching on discipleship from Luke chapter 9. Jesus said that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And here's a principle I hope you will remember for the rest of your life. Because it will impact how you understand discipleship. You ready? Following Jesus is for losers. And that's a hard word to hear in a culture that invented the saying, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. We like to win, and we like winners. This is why owners of professional sports teams will give millions of dollars to athletes with horrible character issues. Because they will help the team win, and we care more about winning than we do about character. This is why political parties will put someone up for office with convictions they don't always agree with, but they have the best chance of winning. This is why we came up with the win-win and why every child gets a trophy. Because we like to win and we like winners. And honestly, 
When Jesus began teaching and his movement was gaining momentum, this was the reason most of the people joined the cause. Because they looked at Jesus and said, now that's a winner. This is the winner we've been waiting for. He can beat disease. He can beat demons. He can even beat death. There's no way he can't beat these Romans. And we can finally get the big win we wanted all these years. In fact, they believed this so much that Peter even felt prompted one time to correct Jesus about his mission. Because Jesus said, I'm heading to Jerusalem and it's going to be a big lose. And Peter said, oh no, we didn't sign up for that, Jesus. We signed up for the big win. But Jesus would not alter his mission to lose his life. And he wouldn't change his call to follow him. To choose a cross and lose your life. And it didn't matter who approached him. Every person was given the same decision to make, even the winners. Because Jesus got approached by winners. His life collided with one in Luke 18. By every scorecard, this young man was a winner. He had youth. He had authority. He had money. They called him a rich, young ruler. He was a winner. He's the kind of guy you want your daughter to meet when she goes to college. When this guy and his family visit a church, a pastor starts to salivate and say, Oh, I hope he places membership here. You want this guy. He is winner. He's got influence. He's got affluence. But strangely, he doesn't have Assurance of his standing with God. And so we asked Jesus about that if something is missing. And Jesus says, Well, are you keeping the commandments? And he beamed and said, I'm winning that. Check them off every day. This one doing it, this one doing it, this one doing it. He had no idea what he was saying. And so in Luke 18, verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And this isn't really about the poor. He's not primarily addressing the issue of charity. He's addressing and confronting the problem of idolatry. Because this young commandment keeper who thinks he's winning that game doesn't understand he's been violating the first commandment his whole adult life. Because he's looking to something To give him what only God can give. He's finding in his wealth his identity and his significance and his security. 
And so what Jesus is doing is he's naming the chain that is keeping this guy from giving his whole heart to Jesus. That's why he came in the first place. He knew something was wrong. And Jesus named it. You got something in your life that's keeping you from giving your whole heart to God. So lose it. He invited him to be a loser. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Now, this should have been an easy sale. Jesus should have been able to get his name on the card. But Jesus wouldn't compromise. And not everybody that met Jesus left better. Sometimes they left sadder. And it made Jesus sad too. And so Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And for 2,000 years, we have strained to come up with ways to get Jesus to not mean what it sounds like he's saved. Because being rich is the scorecard. It is the ultimate trump. It is the proof that you're a winner. We want a religion that will let us keep all of our treasure and give us a dose of God on the side. It's the ultimate win-win. We want both and discipleship. And Jesus only offers either or. Jesus says, you must embrace my mission with so much allegiance, you will lose Anything that is tugging on your heart. And you don't just decide this once. You got to make that decision every single day. Because losing is a winning strategy. Now let me explain. Whether you realize it or not. The truth is, everybody loses. Winning anything significant involves choosing to lose something else. Last week, the colonial 
golf tournament was in town and I went to watch the professional golfers because I like to play golf. And the thought came, I would love to be able to play golf like them. No, I wouldn't. Because I'm not willing to do what you have to do to be that level of a performer. I'm not. I'm not willing to lose what it would take to win that skill. I read an article several years ago about a coach of a sports team in this area that is revered by our community. And he talked about the price he paid to be a winning coach. The hours it took. How it cost him his marriage. It cost him his relationship to his children. But he has rings on his finger from championships. He has the adulation of a sports idolatrous city. And to him, it was worth it. Whether you realize it or not, every single day you are making decisions to lose. So that you can win something else. You lose sweets because you want to gain health. You lose arguments because you want to gain a relationship. We've all been there, right? Where you've been in a contentious situation and you decide you could win the argument, but you would lose the person. And it's not worth it. Some of you made decisions when your children came to give up a job so that one person could stay home with the kids. You lost income, but you gained time with children and you thought that was worth it. A number of years ago, Jamie and I, after a lot of prayer, made the decision that she would quit her job. Because our parents were getting older, and in the last seven years, we've lost three parents. And we felt like her spending time taking care of sick parents was more important than the money we might have gained. We do this all the time. A lot of times I'm asked, well, I just wish I had a closer relationship to God. You can. But you're going to have to spend time in solitude. You're going to have to get up early and spend more time in prayer. You're going to have to spend more time in the Word and less time playing on your smartphone and looking at Netflix. You can gain what you want to gain if you're willing to lose what you have to lose. And every day, consciously or unconsciously, You're making this decision. So the question is, are you deciding what to lose well? I read a story about the Glenn Adsett family in a book called Deep Joy for a Shallow World. This family was missionaries in China in the 1940s. They were arrested by the communist regime. They weren't sure if they would be executed they prayed they would be deported and the word came that they were to be sent out of the nation they could go back to their home they could take with them 200 pounds and that's when the arguments in the family started because the father wanted his typewriter and all of his precious books and the mother wanted heirlooms in the home and the children wanted their toys And they negotiated and they came up with 200 pounds on the nose in a big trunk. And the soldiers showed up. Are you ready to leave? Yes. 
Did you weigh? Yes. Did you weigh the children? And suddenly, everything in that trunk was garbage compared to the combined weight of their two kids. I enjoyed a story I read several years ago. Apparently, in New York City, there are 11 million dogs and 8 million cats, which is 8 million reasons not to go to New York City. (laughs) And there, when a pet dies, you don't just go out to the backyard and bury it. So the city offers a service for $50. They will come and they will dispose of the carcass of your dead pet. This one quite enterprising woman put an ad in the paper that she would come and take the carcass of your pet for $25. What she would do is go to Goodwill or Salvation Army. She would buy an old suitcase for $2. She would show up at the address. She would get the animal. She would put it in the suitcase. Then she would go and get on the subway, put the suitcase down, turn her back, and act distracted. Within a couple of stops, it would be stolen. And my guess is somebody went home disappointed in their treasure. Because sometimes what we chase as a win proves to be an unworthy pursuit. You see, Jesus contended that the kingdom win was worth the cost. He would preach, repent and receive the good news. The kingdom is here. The possibility of living life engulfed in, embraced, absorbed in the life of God. Living and moving in the flow of His Spirit, drenched in His love. This kind of life is possible now. What that man thought was a burden, Jesus thought was a bargain. He would tell stories like the one in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when the man found it, he hid it again. Now watch this. And in his Joy. He went and sold all he had. Because he wanted that treasure that much. So let me tell you about Satan and his great aim for your life. It's not to get you hooked on porn or to become an alcoholic. Although that is one way that he achieves his great end. To get you hooked on porn or alcohol or sports or your job. Because his great aim is to keep you from seeing, following Jesus for the win that it really is. He wants you to focus so much on what you're going to lose 
if you sell out for Christ, that you don't see what you're losing because you won't. So Peter said to him, we've left all we had to follow you. And truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who's left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come. Eternal life. We tend to focus on what we will miss if we get more serious about Jesus. And we don't see what we're missing. Because we don't. We think about what we will lose with a wholehearted yes. And we don't see what we're losing. Because of half-hearted, insipid discipleship. What we're missing. Is Jesus. We're settling for religion. And we're missing doing life. With Jesus. That young man heard the word sell. And as soon as Jesus said the word sell. His brain turned off. That's all he could hear. Sell. And he didn't hear the word. Me. You'll get life. With me. And that's why you see. If there's some area of obedience. That Jesus is calling you to. And you're hesitating. Because it feels like a big loss. And it's making you sad. It just means you don't really get Jesus. Yet. Today they. Have the marathon at the end. Of the Olympic games. But. In the beginning, it was often the first event. And the winner got a bouquet of flowers and got to stand beside the king for the rest of the contest. And so the big day of the race has come and the runners are ready. And came a stranger who was more athletic, stronger, bigger than any other runner. And they were intimidated. He was offered money not to run. He was offered property not to run. But he refused. He ran. He won. And he was later asked, was it worth turning down money and even property for flowers? And he said, I didn't run for flowers. I ran to stand beside my king. You see, good losers... Gain Jesus. When your life collides with Jesus, what you get is a new definition of when. I'll give you an example. In the Bible, there's this guy named Saul. We call him Paul. And by his day and by their scorecards, he was big time winner. He even admits it in Philippians. He said, I was a Jew of Jews. I was a tribe of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee. I mean, you just look at everything that we say is important. Check, win, check, win, check, win. And then I met Jesus. 
And he said in chapter 3, verse 7, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Half-hearted decisions for Jesus are really sad. That's the best word to use. It's just sad that we could get so close to the life God has for us and miss it. Because Jesus isn't a big enough win. And so he won't compromise. He doesn't care how rich you are, how famous you are, how powerful you are. He just won't compromise. He wants to know if you will lose in order to gain him. And by the way, he made the same decision about you. In order for you to have life, Jesus had to lose his. And that's what Gethsemane is all about. Father, is there another way? And he got on his knees and he sweat and he wrestled and he prayed and he decided to lose. And hell still trembles and heaven still rejoices from the impact. And so, what will you choose to lose? This is the essence of the call of discipleship. It is the point of impact of all that Jesus teaches. What will you choose to lose? We started with this verse. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will save it. And here's the next verse. For what good is it? For someone to gain the whole world. And yet lose or forfeit their very self. And so many of you will remember this TV family from a few years ago. The show was called Everybody Loves Raymond. And the star, Ray Romano, made the decision after a long successful run to end the show. It wasn't because of bad ratings. The networks would have still paid him a lot of money to keep the show going. And so at the taping of the last episode, he explained to the studio audience why he was doing this. He said, 15 years earlier, I came out to Hollywood. My brother hugged me and put a note in my suitcase. And when I got here, I opened it and it just said this. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? And he said, 
I've been very blessed. And I feel like I've gained the world. But now it is time to work on my soul. Maybe you need to work on your soul. You start by identifying that chain that is tugging at your heart, keeping you from giving all of it to Jesus. And you ask the Holy Spirit to help you name it and let it go and help you see all you're missing when you don't go all in with Jesus. Choose to lose. It is the path of victory. So Father, I'm, I'm praying right now that you will help the hearts of all who are hearing this teaching receive what's being said. It's not so much a head problem. I think most of us in our heads agree, but in our hearts, we struggle because this is not how we have been taught to keep score, God. Jesus is so counter-cultural. And so we need your powerful Holy Spirit to do a work in us that we can start to see just how good and sweet and big and wonderful life with Jesus is. So, Father, help us to name the chain and fill us with courage to overcome the fear it's going to take to let go. And help us to follow Jesus. To be so obsessed by me that cell won't scare us anymore. And for his glory we ask it. Amen. Please stand. And we've got prayer leaders down front. And you need to do business today with God. You need to work on your soul. You need to do some confessing, some discerning. Maybe be... Uh, naming the name of Jesus and getting baptized but when your life has collided with Jesus there's an impact and that moment is now come win Jesus